Well, good morning, Living Hope Columbus family. Uh, glad that you are tuning in wherever you find yourself today. And uh, we also have people that are worshiping with us in person out in the parking lot in this nice, cool Ohio summer day. Um, that's a lie. It's about 117 degrees outside. It's uh, as humid as it could possibly be. And so we, everybody outside is just dri dripping with sweat and soaking wet as they're worshiping Jesus. So hopefully you're enjoying your air conditioning. Uh, I want to remind us of this, and I want to say thanks for being flexible this week uh, as things are just ever-changing in our state and in our nation right now. Uh, but the reminder is this. We said this for the longest time. The gospel's resilient. The word of God cannot be stopped, and the local church is still and will continue to be alive and well. If you have a copy of God's word, open up with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning as we look at this topic of how do you heal from past hurt? How do you heal from past hurt? I also want to quickly say thank you to Pastor Joe for uh, filling in last week and, and bringing the word. I had the honor of preaching uh, a celebration service for my pastor as he celebrated 50 years uh, of being in ministry, 50 years of serving the church as a pastor. And so that was a great honor. And uh, I'd, I'd go on a limb and say that I think Pastor Joe delivered one of the greatest messages that I've personally heard on prayer and just the intricacies of how we pray and why we pray and what it takes for Jesus to answer our prayers. And so if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, go back in our archive and make sure you do that. Matthew chapter 8, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 this morning as we look at a variety of verses in the scriptures. In Matthew 8, God's word says this, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you are willing, make, can you make me clean? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks again for this day, Father, for the privilege, the opportunity, God, that we have to gather, Lord, whether it be in person or online, Father. It's a privilege, Lord, to be together this morning. God, I pray now as we walk through several passages in your word and deal with what can be just a very sensitive and difficult subject today, that your spirit would be with us wherever we are. God, give us ears to hear your word today, hearts to receive it, hands and feet to live it out as we chase Jesus wherever you send us the remainder of this week. Father, it's a privilege to be here, and we celebrate you today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, this past week, my family went out of town for seven days, and so I was living the bachelor life this past week and found myself with some extra time a couple of evenings. And so during that time, if you know me, I'm, I'm typically a fairly organized person most of the time, and so I decided to take my extra time and uh, do cleaning, because that's what every bachelor does when they have free time, is they clean things. And so I decided in my house I was going to clean some stuff, and I was going to do a little purging of our home. And so on Monday evening, I decided that I was going to purge our pantry. And so I opened up every pantry door in our entire kitchen area, and I began to take out trash bags full of stuff. And honestly, I'll be honest, it wasn't too bad. I just took out several, when I say several, I mean about 12, old boxes of oatmeal. Uh, we had boxes of cereal from three years ago in our pantry, a few other small things. Um, I found granola bars uh, back in when, I, when I was on one of my health kicks that I bought from, uh, I think, about three years ago. They expired. 
and I tried one and they were still good, so we still have those at our house. And I actually found, and I'm not even joking on this, I found 24 boxes of noodles in our pantry. Seven of those were lasagna noodles. So this week at my house, we're gonna have a lasagna making party at my place. I don't know why we have so many lasagna noodles, but we did. And here's what's funny, as I was just processing through that this week, just kind of laughing as I was throwing away some of those items. You know, if I was to go to your house and go through your pantry, I'd probably find a very similar scenario. I'd probably find old canned goods that you bought forever ago because everybody needs a can of garbanzo beans that they're never going to use. I'd probably find that in the back of your pantry. I'd probably find several boxes of half-used uh, half pasta somewhere in the back in there. Because there's just this natural tendency that you and I possess. Maybe it's not in your pantry. Maybe it's your medicine cabinet. Maybe it's uh, upstairs in the, the cabinet in your bathroom. Maybe it's your closet. Wherever it is in your house that oftentimes we tend to just hold on to things that we never really needed. We tend to hold on to things and honestly, we hold on to them so long that we forget that they're even a part of our lives. Now stick with me here. This is going to be kind of an abrupt transition, but I want us to, to see this this morning. Have you noticed that we don't only tend to hold on to just physical things? We all do that. In some capacity, we're all hoarders at some place in our life and in our houses. But in some capacity, each one of us also tends to hang on to emotional things from our past, specifically hurt that we've experienced in our past and often, we forget that we're even holding on to them. You see, for most of us, I'm sure at some point in your life that you've been left with a deep wound. You've been left with a, a deep scar, some sort of deep hurt. Somebody did something to you in your past that left you with a scar or some hurt or some pain or some wound that you are just unable to recover from. And in many cases, what happens is we carry this pain with us and we carry these wounds and that hurt with us, oftentimes not even realizing that we're doing it. You see, we all have pain and hurt in our past that just becomes a normal part of our everyday lives. And whether we realize it or not, that pain and that hurt then informs and affects every other area of our life. In this series, one of the questions that was submitted as we talk about this idea of asking for a friend, and the topic that we want to cover today, this question is this, is how do I heal from those past wounds? We all have them, whether we acknowledge it or not, we do. How do I heal from those past wounds? How do I move past them? I was thinking just this week as I was preparing for this message, just the depth of pain that life can cause each one of us. You see, I'm sure... I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that everybody listening to my voice right now has experienced things in your life that I could never imagine. Just this week alone, I had three conversations with three different families where the depth of pain and the struggle and the hurt and the wounds that they are going through was so deep and they were so hurt. I came across a scripture in Exodus chapter 6, if you want to flip there quickly, Exodus chapter 6, that I really think frames up for us kind of where we're going to be going this morning. In Exodus 6, Israel had been under Egyptian oppression for many years, physical slavery for many years. 
If you're familiar with this old story, then God had called Moses to go to these Israelites who were in slavery and lead their rescue. God was going to set his people free again. God was going to redeem the Israelites from slavery. And when Moses goes to these people to tell them of God's promised freedom, in Exodus 6, verse 9, I've never noticed this verse before, but I think this really frames up our discussion for today. Listen to this. So Moses told this to the Israelites. That's their promised freedom. God's going to free you from Egyptian captivity. Moses told this to the Israelites, but look at this. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and hard labor. They had endured as a people so many years of hard labor, so many years of abuse at the hands of the Egyptians, years of physical abuse, emotional pain that was brought on these men and women. And what was the result? Moses tells us in Exodus 6 that their spirits were broken. And I think that's where many people are today when we come to this subject of how do I heal from past wounds. I think many people are just walking around with broken spirits. That this pain and hurt that we bear upon our souls has literally just broken us. And we're not sure what to do with it. Now to be honest with you this morning, as we look at a few other passages today, there are so many layers to this conversation that uh, trying to cover in 25 minutes is going to be nearly an impossibility. And so I thought it would be a better practice. I think eventually this is going to turn into a series that we do as a church to to really help us in this area. Is I just want to give you three little practices to lean in on this morning. Three three things that I have seen helpful personally in my past, that I've I've seen helpful in other people's past, as they really try to move beyond wounds and hurt and pain that they have found in their lives. Three practices, real quick, that help us move toward healing. And then we're going to land the plane with, I think, a very important question for us to ask surrounding this topic. Here's the first practice that that we need to engage in as followers of Christ. We're going to heal from past hurt. It's this, the practice of lamenting. The practice of lamenting. If you're unfamiliar with that word lament, it means to have a, a passionate and deep sorrow. It means to get to the point where you're willing to express deep despair. Because when when we've experienced deep pain, we need to get to the point where our grief over that pain actually forms into lament. Let me say that again. We need to get to the point as followers of Jesus when we've been wounded and we've been hurt and we've experienced pain where our grief ultimately forms into lament. Now, that's going to manifest itself in two ways. As a Christian, you need to practice these if you're going to heal. The first is going to be private lament, and the second is going to be public lament. Lean into this with me this morning. Let me explain. When pain comes into our life, here's what typically happens for most individuals. Man or woman, it doesn't matter who you are. This is what we typically do. We're private in our pain. Most men and women, when pain comes into our life, we are private in our pain. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to burden anybody else with our issues. Therefore, because we don't want to be a burden to people... We typically take our pain and we keep it to ourselves because I don't want to be a burden on somebody else. We're going to talk about that from Galatians 6 in just a moment. But have you noticed, I've seen this in my life and I'm sure you have too, and the scripture talks about it, that even in our prayers, so in my private relationship with Jesus, even in my prayers, I'm often private about my pain. Let me say it again, even in my prayers, I'm often private 
about my pain. I don't want to burden God with that. Can I really pray those things? Can I say that to God? And let me remind you of something this morning. Read the book of Job and you're going to see this. God is not intimidated by your passionate prayers of lament. God is not intimidated by your anger with him. Can I remind you this morning that God is not intimidated by your grief? And God is not intimidated by your sadness. And friends, if we want to move past hurt and move toward healing, we need to get to a place again where we are vulnerable before God. we got to get to a place again where our prayers are not just a habitual thing that we do as Christians. But healing will truly come when you and I are willing and vulnerable enough to have real, honest conversations with God again. Because if we believe the truth of Hebrews 4 verse 15 that says Jesus has experienced everything that you and I have experienced, therefore he sympathizes with us. If we believe that, then we're going to live that in our prayers by having real, raw, honest conversations with God, prayers of lament to him. Why? Because he gets it. Let me give you an example of this. If you want to see what a private prayer of lament looks like, you need to go to the book of Psalms. You read through the book of Psalms and you're going to see David consistently and often engaging in these private prayers of lament between him and God, where he has deep sorrow, deep anguish, deep pain, deep wounds, and he goes before the God of the universe and he says, I don't know what else to do, God, but this is what I feel. Psalm chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. You might sympathize with this. Listen to what David says. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? Lord, how long will my enemy dominate me? Then listen to what he says here. Consider me an answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. That's, a, that's a, a verbiage that seems to indicate that David was severely depressed in this moment. He says, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I've triumphed over him and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. You read those four verses and do you see the pain that is found in David's words? In David's words in those four verses, he basically tells us, I feel like God has forgotten me. And he's willing to talk to God about that. Friends, have you ever been there before? In David's pain, he tells us, he says, Lord, I, I feel anxious. I feel like I am in mental agony in my pain. Have you been there before? Notice in verse 3, David was literally despairing his life. He didn't want to live anymore. Because the pain that he was experiencing, these wounds that David had were so deep. You ever been there before? You see, one of the most powerful paths to healing that you and I have, one of the most powerful paths to healing past hurt is expressing our pain, anguish, and lamenting before God. Christians, we got to stop just praying these fancy, eloquent prayers all the time that we somehow think impress God and impress other people. Let's talk to God about real stuff and real struggles. Let's talk to him about it. And I don't want you to take this as simply a, well, just pray about it, response to pain. That's not what this is. 
When we truly learn to lament as followers of Jesus, it's this process of moving pain from my heart to Jesus' hands. We have to learn to do that again. But notice this. I found this interesting. How did David ultimately express this prayer? He didn't just speak it. No, we have it written down. You know what you need to do? Make sure you're writing down your laments before God. If you want to monitor the faithfulness of God in your life and the healing process from your pain and wounds of your past, write it down. I do this every day. I write down real, honest, raw conversations that I have with the Lord, things I'm feeling in my heart. And friends, that's what ultimately will help you heal as a Christian. Hey, here's the second one when we talk about lamenting. We need to learn to lament publicly. We've said this before in our Philippians series that God did not create us to walk alone and He did not create us to walk in our pain alone. In fact, when you choose to walk in your pain alone, you ultimately set yourself up for failure and you put yourself in a dangerous position. Peter wrote that the devil is prowling around looking for those he can devour. You see, what the devil wants to do is he wants to isolate you in your pain, which will ultimately lead to your destruction. Listen, you're not alone today, and you don't need to walk alone in your pain. Galatians 6, I love this verse. Paul says, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Let's be honest for a second. I have a lot of honesty today. Most of us think we can carry more than we actually can. Think about it. Somebody offers for you to come over and help them move furniture in your house. You see that big couch or that chest of drawers, whatever it is, and you think to yourself, I'm big, I'm tough, I'm going to carry that on my own. We've all been there. I've got this. I can carry it by myself. But what happens when we try to bear too much on our own? You end up hurting yourself. And it doesn't matter if it's physical or emotional. When we try to bear too much, we end up hurting ourselves. That's what Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 6. Can I remind us of this too from this verse? To bear one another's burdens does not mean that you have to provide solutions to everybody's problems. That's not what this talks about. If I bear your burdens, it means I'm carrying your hurt with you. That means I need other Christians in my life if I'm going to heal from past hurt that are simply willing to be present, that are willing to listen to me, and to point me back to Jesus in every situation. If you're bearing pain by yourself, Paul reminds us here that if I carry part of it with you, that it's going to lessen the burden on your soul. Therefore, if the burden on your soul is less, you have space to heal from that hurt. If you're carrying less, it'll help you heal. Here's our second practice I want to remind us of today, the practice of forgiving. The practice of forgiving. I'll be honest with this one too. This is one that most Christians are going to struggle with. We struggle most with forgiveness because we know this to be true. We know we need to forgive other people. So we're only going to spend a moment here because we know this one, but it's whether or not we practice this one that I think we miss. We love to receive forgiveness, but we hate to give forgiveness. We love to be on the receiving end of a broken relationship, past hurt, where, where we are the ones that are forgiven. We love to receive forgiveness. 
But when we're reminded that we have to forgive other people, no matter how much they hurt us, what do we do? We lock ourselves up. We say, no, I'm not going to do that. What does Paul say in Ephesians 4, 32? He says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Notice that's a command. It's not an option. Forgiving one another. Watch this. Here we go. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. You've been the recipient of the ultimate forgiveness. Therefore, you have no option but to forgive other people no matter what has happened to you. Can I remind us of this too? This is not a forgive and forget mindset. That's impossible. You do not have the ability to do that. You can't forgive and forget because you are a finite being that doesn't have that ability. Too often we think that if we have to forgive somebody, then we have to forget what they did. That's not true. You don't have to do that. And we think to ourselves, well, if I can't forget what they did, therefore I can't forgive them, so I just shouldn't forgive because that's impossible. That's not what Paul is talking about here. When I choose to forgive somebody based on what they've done to me, it means I'm choosing not to let past hurt hold me captive anymore. I'm removing the power that their past actions had over me, and instead I'm choosing to forgive them and move past the pain. In my past, friends, if somebody has hurt me and I choose to hold on to unforgiveness, most of the time this is the result. My choice to, un to not forgive them only has power over me and not them. When I choose not to forgive somebody, that simply locks me up in a cage of unforgiveness, and half the time it does nothing to the other person. It leaves me in a state of anger and bitterness. Hebrews 12 verse 15 calls that the root of bitterness. And if I choose to live in this state of unforgiveness, all it does to me is make me become more, built, more bitter. It builds up more guilt in my soul. And the wounds that are stuck in my spirit, Exodus chapter 6, just get deeper and deeper and deeper. I'm not saying forgiveness is easy. I'm just saying if you want to heal, you have to make the conscious choice not to let the pain of the past hold on to you anymore. Number three, the practice of guarding. The practice of guarding. We said earlier in this message, when pain has taken its root in my spirit, it begins to control everything that I do. We talked about that in the beginning how I act, how I interact, what I say to people. Pain informs all of that if we don't deal with it. So another step towards the process of healing from past pain means I have to learn to control and guard what is inputted into my spirit. Now listen to me, this isn't just a read your Bible and things will get better kind of scenario. That's not what this is. Lean into this real quick. Proverbs 4 verse 23, what Solomon say? Guard your heart above all else. Proverbs reminds us, Solomon reminds us here that the direction of my life, the direction of your life, the way you see things, the way you interpret life, the way you live will ultimately be controlled by what you allow to take up residence in your heart. And if you allow your heart to be overrun with grief, overrun with pain, overrun with hurt based on what has happened to you in the past, ultimately that's going to overflow to your life. It's the old statement, your inputs equal your outputs. What you put in controls how you live. Think about it this way. Let me give you a very practical example that we've all experienced. In the last two weeks, I will guarantee this, in the last two weeks, nearly every conversation you've had, I'd go out on a limb and say nine out of ten conversations you've had in the last two weeks have comprised of one thing. 
You ready for it? Coronavirus. In the last two weeks, I would almost guarantee that 90% of the conversations you've had with individuals, whether in your family, your friends, your work, your church, out in the community, nine times out of 10, what have they been about the last two weeks? I'm guilty of this too. Coronavirus. Why? Because it's consumed us. It has so consumed us as a culture that we are literally, literally putting information about coronavirus into our brains and our hearts 24 hours a day right now. Turn on the radio. They're going to talk about it. Everything's canceled. You can't go anywhere because of coronavirus. Turn on the TV. Every commercial is going to be about it. The news, that's all they're talking about right now. Open your email. It's every business's response to coronavirus, what they're doing about it right now, how you should respond to it. Turn on social media. It's every conspiracy theory in the world. It's every person in the world telling you what you should do and how you should respond to it. It's being shoved down our throats right now, left and right. Coronavirus, coronavirus. And watch this. If we don't guard against it, What's it do? Consumes us. That's why every conversation we have is about it. Hey, here's a challenge for us. I, I was thinking about this uh, this past week with Pastor Joe. What if we just stopped talking about it? What if you just talked about it because of the logistical nature of your work and your home, and that's the only time you talked about it? But outside of that, you just stopped engaging in conversation about this thing. Why? Because, friends, we've got to refill our hearts with good things, Jesus things, things that, that matter in the scheme of eternity. Hear me this morning, goodness. When it comes to pain and hurt, if I allow those things to just fill my heart, what are they going to do? They're going to control me unless I change my inputs. I have to choose, as Proverbs 4.22 says, to guard what I allow in my heart. You're the doorkeeper of your heart. What are you going to allow in there that will ultimately overflow to who you are? I'm not discounting your pain, but I'm challenging you not to let your pain be the controlling factor of your life. You can't let past pain dictate your present life. Instead, you have to saturate your heart and your mind and your soul with Jesus and let him overflow to every other area and refuse to let pain be the boss. Now, let's close with this thought. Could Jesus, if he wanted to, take all of those actions we just talked about, those three actions combined with his grace, the redeeming work found on the cross, and could he right now in this moment instantly heal you from every wound that you have experienced in your past? Absolutely. He can. We see it in the scriptures. But I want to close with this question. What if he doesn't? What if... You have to bear the weight of your past pain for the rest of your life. Will that change the way that you view Jesus? Or despite that, will he, will he still be good? When I was thinking about that this week, I thought of the leper that approached Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. Look at this with me. It's the verse we read at the beginning. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And right away, a man with leprosy came up to Jesus, knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can, you can make me clean. I want us to notice a couple things about the, the, the posture of this leper when he approached Jesus. First off, he approached in humility. He wanted healing, but he came to Jesus in a humble position. It says that he knelt before him. Let me remind us of this today. Jesus owes you nothing. 
Jesus owes me nothing. We got to understand that again as Christ's followers. He owes us nothing. Anything good I experience, anything he gives me, any healing I experience, that's all grace. He owes me nothing. I know that's not popular, but it's true. Notice this, his request. He doesn't tell Jesus what to do. He says, if you are willing, if. He doesn't say, Lord, I demand this from you. He says, God, if you would, if. Look, you may want Jesus to heal you, but he owes you nothing. You are more than welcome to approach him in prayer and say, Jesus, if you're willing, God, please do this for me. But he owes us nothing. If he did, praise God. If he didn't, okay. Jesus must know something that I don't. Hey, here's the last one. He approached Jesus with confidence. He knew Jesus could. What did he say? Lord, if you're willing, you can. If you're willing, you can. But notice the posture of the leper. He knew Jesus could, but he was okay if he didn't. He knew he could heal him, but he was okay if he didn't. Now, I know we hear those kind of truths from Scripture, and it doesn't sit well. I get it. I know. I'll be honest. There's some things in Scriptures that I still read. Even as a pastor, I read them, and they're bitter. They're bitter as you read them, and you you question, like, God, how does this work? How does this operate? How does this not kind of negate your goodness in some cases? Because I just don't get it. But we have to learn, even in the topic of healing from pain, that Jesus might not that we rest in his goodness that was manifested for us on the cross. Jesus proved he was good on that cross. And therefore, I have no right to ever question his goodness. He proved it. He's proved it to us. He is good. Therefore, if he doesn't do what I ask him to do, I still look to the cross and I see he's good, period. (laughs) That's the way it works. My last reminder as our praise team comes, if Jesus does not heal you on this earth from past hurt, and if he doesn't heal me, Rest in the promise that he will on the other side of heaven. Either way, friends, we will be healed from our pain. Whether in this life or in the next, we will be healed. It may not be here, but Jesus has secured it in a place called heaven. You can rest in that. Because the ultimately, the healing that our souls long for is really only going to be found in heaven. That's why we long for it, because we long for a place called heaven. And even if he chooses not to heal us from past hurt, pain, emotional grief, despair, and these wounds, can I tell you, continue to serve him with everything you got. Because even if it's not in this life, he will. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for our time and your word this morning. God, I pray that what can be such a sensitive, difficult, and challenging topic serves as a source of encouragement to your church today. God, I pray that we wrestle through and wrestle with your word this week. Thanks for our time together, Lord. Pray now as we sing that, God, it's a sweet sound in the corridors of heaven. In your name we pray. Amen.